You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. This evening, if you would turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5, the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5, and I just want to start by reading one verse, and then we'll read another verse or two to follow, but I just want to start by reading one verse, Ephesians 5 and verse 21. Ephesians 5:21 says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the privilege, God, to be in church tonight. I thank you for all these that have made their way into the house of God. And I just pray that you'll bless each one of us accordingly. Dear Lord, um, God, I stand here, God, and praying and believing this is the message that you'd have me to deliver, the message that you truly burned into my heart, dear Lord. And uh, so I just pray that you'll help uh, to deliver it and help those that hear it be able to receive it. And we'll thank you, dear Lord, for that, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I want to go back now and look at verse number 18. The Bible says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And we preached that over the last couple of weeks. And it talks about some things that will result from you being filled with the Spirit. Uh, By the way, if you remember, being filled with the Spirit is something the Bible commands us to do. The Bible does not command us to be baptized with the Spirit because when we're saved, we're baptized with the Spirit. The Bible does not tell us to, uh, to be sealed with the Spirit of God because when we're saved, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, the, the Bible does not tell us that you need to, uh, to, to possess the Holy Spirit of God because if you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you. But when the Bible speaks about being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, it's... Uh, the, the idea of being filled there, we often think of a cup, and that's the way it's often been presented. And it's not the worst analogy ever, but it's not the best by far either. Uh, because there's times in the Bible that it speaks about the Pharisees. It says how that they were filled with anger. And since they were filled with anger, that anger controlled them. And as a result of that, it led them to crucify Christ. They were filled with envy. And it allowed them to deliver Christ. And so what happened? They were filled. And that what they were filled with, it controlled them. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, it is just to say that we are being controlled by we are giving ourselves over. We use the, uh, the example of alcohol. It says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. And how alcohol can change you into a different person. Alcohol can control you you in certain ways, uh, but just like alcohol, for that example, uh, we're, a per- just like a person's not always drunk, even though some people act like it, uh, a person's not always drunk, a person is not always filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I don't know if people looked at Jennifer, but um, <laughs> a person is not always filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, I mean, literally, we could be filled with the Spirit, being controlled by the Spirit in a moment, and then something that can happen, and we can allow the flesh to take over again, and so, but we're to be filled with the Spirit, and and the the literal idea is being filled with the Spirit. Be ye being filled with the Spirit, because it's it's a thing that we continually surrender to being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, but the Bible makes it in a very practical way. Number one, it talks about, in verse number 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And so uh, right away we see uh, some of the examples of the, what the Lord's doing with uh, being Spirit-filled. We see the joyfulness that God gives. Uh, he gives joyfulness when we're filled with the Spirit. Um, 
Also, thankfulness. Notice verse number 20. Giving thanks always for some things unto God. And the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't read that right, did I? Uh, giving thanks in all things. Um, and so... Man, I've got that mess up here. Anyway, uh, giving thanks in, always for all things. And so how in the world can we give thanks for all things? We can give thanks for all things uh, when we look at things in the right way. Now, all things work together for good. It doesn't mean that everything that happens is good. Sonia gave us a great example tonight. We had our water turned off uh, it, for, in part of the town for a good part of the day yesterday. Uh, well, you can sit and belly ache and whine and complain about it. Uh, or, you, or you can just say, you know what? I am sure thankful that we have water Every other time. Every other time I reach for that faucet. Every other time we turn it on, we have it. Uh, and you know, it's, that's a way of giving thanks uh, in all things and for all things. Um, you know, and so you can see kind of, kind of some qualifiers within the all things. You, you don't... You, you, you've, you don't thank God, uh, you know, for uh, some of the negative things, but you, you thank God for the positive that's resulted or that comes from uh, some negative things. Give me thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then so if we're filled with the Spirit of God, the, fear, the Spirit-filled life and our homes, because that's what this section introduces, and our homes should be characterized by joyfulness, Thankfulness and then submissiveness. Submissiveness. Uh, Spurgeon once said, When home is ruled according to God's word, angels might be asked to stay with us and they would not find themselves out of their element. So, first of all, I want to give you this the awesome privilege. The awesome privilege it is to begin with, he begins in verse number 22, uh, after 21, submitting yourselves one to another. But then he starts talking, he, he addresses wives. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. How do you feel when we read that verse? How does that roll off the tongue? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's right here in God's Word now. But, but I'll, I'll regress here and come back to that in just a second. It starts talking about marriage. It talk, starts talking about one of the great spiritual applications. He's saying when you are Spirit-filled, it's going to make a difference in your homes. Alright, now, think about this. A home is established, and God established the very first one, when God brought Adam and Eve together in the Garden of Eden. So to enter into God's covenant of marriage is an awesome privilege. You know, we, we're not to do so lightly. The reason God founded the family, and think about this, it was the first institution that God established on earth. He could have established government. He could have established, uh, you know, some other thing. But instead, he said, I'm going to establish the home. So why did he do that? Well, he did that because he wanted the home to be the vehicle through which he would further his work throughout all of history, beginning with the family. It's interesting if you think about it in the book of Genesis. Uh, there, there's one verse in the Bible that talks about, one verse in Genesis where it talks about the creation of our vast, uh, unmeasurable universe. When the Bible, and there's other passages in the Bible that refer to it, but as far as in the creation account, the Bible says, and he created the stars also. But look how much time in the book of Genesis, those 50 chapters, is spent talking about one family. One family. 
I mean, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their wives and their children. That's what the book is about. So from the very beginning, he's teaching us, I'm establishing something, and it involves the home. And William Cowper said that the only bliss of paradise that has survived the fall is the home. The only bliss of paradise that has survived the fall is the home. The home is the very cornerstone of our civilization. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 28, He gave man dominion over everything. God made it so that through the home, that, that God would rule through the home. That God would bless through the home. Uh, it's the only family, it, it's only the family unit with God as the head that makes churches, schools, government, yea, the world work properly. This was understood from the beginning. Uh, obviously that's been turned around, but it's no wonder that Satan wasted no time attacking the home. He wasted no time getting into the Garden of Eden and going straight to Eve, tempting her, deceiving her, and bringing about the fall of the home as she gave in to that temptation. And if you look around, Satan has not relented, not one day. Not one day since this attack. And folks, his persistence and his perseverance has paid off handsomely as far as he's concerned. Now make no mistake about it. As successful as he has been, he could not have done this without man being the accomplice to his own destruction. Man is the accomplice to his own destruction. Marriage and the home have been made into a mockery. I mean, you think about the. Let's go back to the first home just for a minute. Here's Adam and Eve, and right away Satan he he surplants and he goes uh, he goes under the authority in the home, and he goes to Eve right away. He's uh, right away he's uh, mixing around the authority. He's mixing around what God planned. Then all of a sudden the fall enters in. They sin. Uh, Eve is deceived. Adam is not deceived. He willfully sins. Then they have two children, and right within that home. Cain kills his brother Abel. And I'm telling you, so right away we see Satan affecting the home. And throughout Genesis, you see an attack against the home. And it's repeated over and over and over again. And, you, and, and all these different things that God is doing is ultimately a failure of the home. I believe the failure of our country is a failure in the home. Uh, the failure of churches is a failure in the home. I'm telling you, the failure of society at large is a failure within the home. We don't need better government and more government. We need less government, amen, and better homes. But see, we, we've got this whole thing mixed up today. So, so uh, Satan has been the one working, but he's been made an accomplice, uh, or man has been an accomplice to his own destruction. Uh, Man, I, I was writing this out today and I was just so excited and fired up. Uh, but, but think about this. Marriage and the home have been made into a mockery, resulting in a deluge of divorce. In a deluge of divorce, over 50% of marriages now end in divorce. Now, the, the, the actual statistics are 41% of first marriages end in divorce and then 
marriages from the second on up, uh, is there's a higher rate, up over 50, maybe close to 60% of second, third, and so forth marriages ending in divorce as well. But the average of marriage in general, there's been a, a, a deluge of divorce. There's been a prevailing perversion within our society made of marriage. A mockery that's been made of marriage. marriage. There's been a jilting of the next generation. Children are rejected and abandoned to be raised and brought up apart from their parents. Where are the parents who will bring up their children? Their forming, their upbringing is often left to churches, government regulated daycares and schools, and not to mention the media that is raising our kids today. The entertainers that are raising our kids today. Listen, it is sad, it's a sad statement, but I'm telling you right now that many, most, a lot of children in our country spend more time with some, uh, some, uh, you know, singer, some rapper, some whoever, some some uh, personality than they do their parents, than they do in the Bible. And and listen, I mean, you think about this. Not to mention the media, the actors, the entertainers. By the way, who are a bunch in most cases are a bunch of ignorant, perverted, imbecile losers. To put it lightly. Listen, so it's been left up to churches, government regulated daycares and schools, coaches and other instructors. And there's, thank God for individuals. Thank God for churches that pick up the slack. Thank God for teachers that make a difference and coaches and different things like that um, that are making a positive impact. We live in also in the society to where uh, the, the way the education has uh, been infiltrated ever since the 60s, going back to the early 1900s uh, into the 50s and 60s. Uh, there's been a, 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 a change in what children are learning. And by the way, man, you need to learn. You need to know what your children are being taught. You really do. You need to find out and know what your children are being taught. And so there are people that are doing a good job, but that's not the point. The point is that too often parents delegate their God-given responsibility to others. It is not this government's job to raise my kids. It is not the daycare's responsibility to raise my kids. It's not the school's responsibility. It's not the church's responsibility. Don't think I'm being I'm not being critical of the church when I say it's not the church's responsibility to raise my kids. It's not. How many, how many folks have I known through my life, a real common thing that I would hear, that people would wonder what in the world went wrong with their kid children? Now, throughout the week, there was no supervision. They had no restrictions. There was no discipline. They ran around just like you'd let a, let a, a dog run around doing whatever. But by God, you've got to be in church three times a week. Well, that's good. But then they would come and say, I don't know what's wrong. I raised them in church. I made them come to Sunday school on Sundays. I don't know how they turned out bad. I raised them in the way that they should go, but here they are departing. Folks, it's not... The church's responsibility to raise your kids. It's our responsibility. As parents, we're the ones. It's not teachers. It's not anyone else's responsibility. Again, thank God for those that make positive contributions in all this. But it's our jobs to invest into our kids. It's our moms and dads. Parents, we should have the greatest influence in the lives of our children. 
Thank God for many of the positive influences there are. We need to learn to guard against and help shelter them uh, from some of the negative uh, influences in this world and warn them about some of the negative influences in this world. But we are to be the greatest influence and impact upon our children. Listen to this. Our children need us. Not just when they are, uh, not just when they are babies and obviously can't feed themselves, clothe themselves. Uh, you know, it's, it's the craziest thing. And I know the temptation, but a lot of people, their child reaches their teenage years and then, then the parents say, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to let them go. Now, really? They need you more than ever. They might not act like they want you more than ever. But they need us more than ever. They need us to be there for them. They need us to stand for them. They need us to pray for them. They need us to love them. Folks, your kids need you. Maybe they've got a great teacher. That's wonderful. Maybe they've got a great pastor. Maybe they've got a great Sunday school teacher. Maybe they've got some good influences. Wonderful. But you are the one that's responsible. Well, I'm going to try to get them to hang around this kid as much as possible. Well, that's great. But we ought to be having that influence. We ought to make a difference. And so the mockery that's been made of the home resulting in a, a deluge of divorce, a prevailing perversion within our society, a jilting of the next generation, an insane infanticide, the mass murder of the most innocent and helpless among us, Folks, there is zero debate on whether or not abortion ends a life. Amen. That's no longer debate. At one time, they, they tried to make that a debate. It's just a piece of tissue. It's just, uh, just like a tumor or something else to be removed from the body. Folks, science, which we believe in science, don't we? Uh, we believe in science uh, when, it's, when it's truly science. Not fake science. We believe in real science. Uh, but it's interesting how that some people believe in science until it goes against their agenda. Because some people are flat out agenda driven. And folks, for it to be an issue, you talk about the job Satan's done, you talk about the place that our society has come to, you say, oh, you're getting political now. No, I'm not. I'm just being moral. I'm talking about it really is not okay. And by, you know something else? You know what are the problems here? It goes back to the home. Over 96% of abortions, they did a poll. And the top five reasons that women get abortions or girls get abortions. And don't forget that, Margaret, that going all the way back when Planned Parenthood was founded, they were targeting African Americans. And it's still majority of African Americans and minorities that have abortions. But in, in any case, all of these lives, because I thought those lives mattered. Right? I believe they matter. Uh, and you know, anyway, it's just, it, but, but my thing is this, where, where, what's the problem? The first, top five reasons, all of them go something like this, not ready for a baby, can't afford it. I need to finish my education first. Literally all top five reasons for abortions come into those. Maybe a few more along those lines. <clears throat> what, what's the point I'm trying to make? What if there was a mom and dad that was trying to teach this young person, trying to teach this girl, trying to watch over this girl, trying to raise up their boys, that you don't just run around here like a bunch of alley cats and like a bunch of wild animals like they've been taught they are in school, and you just mate with anything, uh, you know, that's willing, and that's kind of how it is in this society. 
And then, oh no, I'm pregnant now. Well, what do you do? No problem. Just kill the baby. Get your education. Make your money. Kill the baby. And if you're against that, by golly, you're an awful person. There's that ridiculous uh, congressman that's calling people racist for being against abortion. It's just, it's just, it's asinine. It's absolutely crazy. What I'm saying is it's insane infanticide. There's a mass murder and a slaughter of the most innocent and helpless among us. And so this, you know, this isn't just a problem in society at large, but also within the lives of God's people and the church. We have been duped into allowing uh, better to take the place of best. We have settled for good over godly. I regrettably, ashamedly, yet readily, readily admit that I approach this passage with some trepidation. As I came to verse 22 and verse 23 especially. Now, while some of that trepidation was due to the misunderstanding and the misapplication of the order that God instituted from the beginning, and by the way, I want to say this because I'm not going to be able to get to it tonight, but because these are just this is just my introduction and it's running long, but but what I want to say is that it's not a cultural thing; it's a creation thing. And we'll be able to see that in the Word of God as we go through. But the Bible says, this is the reason I set the home up this way. And I'll get to the, get to the rest of that in a second. But it's, a, it's not a culture. Oh, this is 2019. But that was a part of my trepidation. And I'm telling you, I'm ashamed to admit this to you. Part of it was because it's been taught wrong. And that people misunderstand what it means to submit. And for a wife to submit to her husband. But another thought of it was this. How will this message be received in 2019? Now, but through that thought process, God really got a hold of my heart. Because I thought, wait a second. How could I have any hesitation to stand up here and preach the Bible in this church? How could I, be, how could I possibly have a concern that the women, the godly women in this church, would kick back and fight against that? Well, we know why we can possibly have that feeling, don't we? Because we have a fallen nature and we go against that. But thank God that it was like a light shined in the darkness of the deception. Well, I'm saying God's people have been duped. Oh no, we're not, we're not involved in most of those other problems I talked about to, to start with in the first part of this. But I'm telling you what, how do we do when we get to verse 22 and 23? How, how, how are we men in taking the responsibility that God has given us? How are we ladies in embracing the responsibility that God has given you? How are you children that are saved by God's grace embracing what God has told you and the place that God has put you in? So thank God that God helped me see that I repented and I realized the truth that I preached to you at this time and time again. A couple things. Number one, that God is the one that started this institution, the home. So guess what? He gets to call the shots. It's His creation. He started it. Okay? Number two, now this goes along with anything. Number one, He's all wise. His way is the way of blessing. 
Do I always understand it? No, I don't. But He's an all-wise God. If He said it, I can believe it. I can follow it. He is wise. He knows better than me. Does He know better than you? Does He know better than you uh, when He tells you to be submissive? Does He know better than you? And we're going to talk, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to at least tell you what that really means and what it doesn't mean uh, before we go here in just a moment. But He's all-wise. He is loving. He has your best interest at heart. He's all-powerful. And here's what I want to say. Sugar-coated preaching, shying away from issues, rebelling against the clear teaching of God's Word, we are robbing ourselves. Think, see, God's all-powerful. Think of the power. Think of the possibilities. Ephesians 3, 19 and 20 says that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So it's talking about the, the filling of the Spirit. And it says now, unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to the power that works in us. Think of the power. Think of the power that would be robbed if we ignored these verses. Think of the power that would be robbed anytime we go against God's Word. We're robbing ourselves of something wonderful, something powerful that God wants us to do in our lives, that God wants to do in our lives. It remains to be seen what God can do. Now we've seen God do some things through. Going for the good, going for the, you know, settling for the good rather than the godly, settling for the, you know, the, 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 the okay, the, the better, uh, better instead of best. We've seen blessings through that, but just think what we could see if we let God truly have His way. And so I stand here before you this evening emboldened in the faith, unapologetic in the truth. Because like any other truth in God's Word, this truth will transform your life for the better. And, as, and, and much like many of these truths, our old nature, listen, just like any other truth just about in the Bible, our old nature will fight it. Billy Sunday said this about sin, but I'll say it about our old nature fighting uh, God's Word. It will fight God's Word, God's truth, as long as it has fist. I'm talking about our old nature. It will bite it as long as it has teeth. And it will kick it as long as it has feet. In other words, our old nature is going to fight tooth and nail against letting God's Word transform our lives. Now, why would we not follow His instruction? Why would we not follow what God tells us to do? I'm asking you. We know better. Somebody said sin. We know better. That's pride. I don't want to. Somebody said pride. I mean, it's pride. It's sin. That's why we don't want to. We know better than God. I'm not going to do that. What, what, what if it doesn't work out for me? So we can't trust Him. That's unbelief. Pride, unbelief, the flesh will fight. But folks, good news, the Holy Spirit is stronger. We are those who search, submit, stand, and share the truth. That's who we are. 
We're God's people. We search the Scriptures. We submit to that which God reveals. We stand upon that which God reveals. And we share that which God reveals without fear or favor of man. Why would we share the truth of God's Word? Why would we share it when it's unpopular? Why would we share it when it may offend? i tell you why we do. Because we love people too much not to. We love people too much not to. And so we tell the truth. Why do we do it? Because we want to make a better life for ourselves. We want to make a better life for our families. We want to see God. We care for the beaten and broken among us around the world. In our community. In our families. So we tell them the truth. I know... That, you know, and I just think about those in my family that have died of cancer, smoking related diseases at an early age. And I mean, I'm talking about uh, 50s, 60s, uh, and so forth. Uh, you know, it, you know what, what kind of doctor I'm sure they would have appreciated? A doctor that just said, you know what, you know, you're, you're, you're dying quickly. Your lungs are falling apart. Your, your heart's terrible. Uh, you know, you're getting cancer. But you know what? Um, just get, you know, what I would recommend is probably go get a, go, probably go get a, a carton of, a, a carton, a car, go get a, a pack of non-filters. Go back to the old Lucky Strikes and just puff away, buddy. Matter of fact, just do yourself a favor and just start up your car when you get to the parking lot, put your big lips around the muffler and suck on that for a while. That's the kind of doctor that people want, but not really. But that is the kind of preacher that people act like they want. That is the kind of friend that people act like they want. You know, oh, well, just keep on in your sin. It's all good. No, it's destroying you. I'm your friend, and I want to tell you the truth. Oh, well, you're a part of a church, and that's good. You've been baptized, and you believe there's a God. Wonderful. No, it's not wonderful. Do you know Christ? He's the only way to heaven. And without Him, if you reject Him, if you reject the gift of salvation, you'll go to hell. And I don't want you to go to hell. I love you too much. So I want to tell you, you need Christ. You don't need religion. You don't need to do better. You need Him. He loves you. He shed His blood for you. That's not received well oftentimes, but we tell it anyway. We tell the truth. May we commit our lives afresh and anew to Him. Yield to Him in this very moment. I ask you this evening, will you submit to our great God and Savior to unlock the miracle power in your life and home? When we don't do that, I wish I'd have brought a jar up here with me. But if you can just imagine us asking, imagine our lives being like a jar that we're wanting God to fill with all the blessings that He wants to put in it. And I want to tell you something right now. If you hear my voice right now, if you're sitting there right now, God has a blessing for you. If you're not saved, He has salvation. He has a life-changing, uh, a life-changing uh, salvation for you. And maybe all this crazy stuff I'm saying will make sense, but the main thing you need to know is He'll save you. Amen? He's got something for you. He loves you. He knows you. He knows everything about you. Yes, everything. And guess what? He still loves you. And He still wants to save you. And He still wants to uh, save your soul and bless your life. If you're saved by God's grace, He wants to bless you. But what we're like a lot of times is, I'm telling you, we wonder why our lives aren't successful. We wonder why our, why our homes aren't what they ought to do. Be, therefore, churches, country, on and on it goes. Here we are with our jars holding them up to God. 
But our rebellion and our disobedience is like having a jar on top of the lid. Saying, God, fill me up. Fill me up. Well, I asked God to fill me up. I brought my jar to church. And I just ain't getting nothing out of it. I'm reading my Bible, but I just ain't getting anything in my life, in my jar. Maybe try taking the lid off. We can block. And husbands, listen, if we're not being the men we're supposed to be in our homes, we can block God blessing our homes. I don't know why God's not blessing my home. Take the lid off. And, I, and, and somebody says, oh God, I want you to remove this lid. We talked about that before. People hate taking personal responsibility. And if you want to, be, if you want to fail throughout your life, always find somebody else to blame for your troubles. But even as Christians sometimes, we want to blame God. We want to put it on God. God, take this lid off. You know what they said? Jesus come, to, Jesus come to raise up Lazarus from the grave. Did you know He didn't move the stone? He said, take ye away the stone. I want to do a miracle, but you need to get this out of the way first. He didn't do it. He could have done it. He could have just spoken and made it float away. He said, I want to do a miracle, but you're going to have to get this out of the way first. You're going to have to get your pride out of the way. Oh, Lord, take my pride. No, you give Him your pride. Amen? Take my... See... Because uh, we, we just need to learn to trust Him. Amen? And so we need to be willing to unlock God's blessings in our lives. Because that's exactly what He wants to give us. Uh, man, I've got I've to at least explain this submission thing here. Because uh, I can't leave you without that. I'll just say this here quickly. Marriage is a covenant. God put a structure within this covenant of the home and of marriage. He put a structure. He put an order. We know Satan tries to instigate against that. He's put a recipe, if you will. You know, there are certain recipes, especially bacon recipes, that you've got to follow right. And if you don't follow them right, you can have all the right ingredients, but if you don't, sometimes you've got to, you know, if you're baking, sometimes there's, you know, like flour and sugar and stuff, you've got to mix and, and maybe some baking powder. You've got to mix those dry ingredients off to the side while you're over here mixing up the wet ingredients, and then you put this in, and then you put a little bit of something in, and, and there's like a process involved if it's going to turn out right. I remember one day uh, Evan was wanting to make some of our, uh, Evan and the kids uh, were making some uh, no-bake chocolate oatmeal cookies that we bake. I shouldn't have said that because now Melissa's going to try to make me bake them tonight. But uh, I was upstairs and, and Evan comes upstairs, Dad, how much milk do we put in again? And I was distracted. I couldn't remember. I said, I can't remember. Uh, I think two cups. What's well, two cups of sugar? So it's really healthy for you, especially if you're diabetic. But... Uh, but it was, I said two cups of milk. And when I come down there, I looked at that and I'm like, this is chocolate soup. And it was good, by the way. It was still good. It just didn't turn out to be cookies. And you better believe we ate it. Now, by golly, I ain't an idiot. Uh, uh, <laughs> and I don't have a lot of uh, willpower either when it comes to that stuff. But my point is, you, th there's a certain way that God has, all right? He's the one that made the home. He can make the rules. Now... In this sense, right now, when we think about this, the trouble with many homes is they're not governed by the Word of God. They're like the book of Judges. Every man does that which is right in their own eyes. Today, men and women are both out of, are both out of line of God's will concerning the home. Men don't want to take their responsibility. Uh, women feel like they're going to take the responsibility or they're in some other kind of place. There's few commands in Scripture that strike our modern ears that are more offensive than the commands to submit. Uh, examples of, of submitting we'll deal with in just a moment. But this kind of turns up the heat for us. 
husbands and wives. But in this case, we're going to deal with husbands. I guess we'll have to finish dealing with wives uh, next time. But, uh, but we're going to, uh, dealing more on the wife part, because that's where we're at right here. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he's the Savior of the body. Those verses have some very important principles. And I'm going to give them to you uh, quickly, but still to where I think we can get it. All right? When we hear these verses, the Bible says God's word's like a mirror. What feelings rise up in our hearts when we hear these verses? See, when I, when I say it turns up the heat, I mean it this way. See, God says, talks about us being purified. There's none of us fully purified yet, by the way. I mean, we will be when we get to heaven. Sometimes we feel like we're doing really good. And I've given you the illustration many times, but it's a great illustration that fits right here about the silversmith. And now that the silversmith would take silver and heat it up with all the other, you know, dirt and grump and... You, grump? Uh, that's an official word for some kind of dirt or ore. But anyway, uh, they would heat it up and all the dross would come to the top and they would, the, the, the heat would bring out the dross. The dross comes to the top, they would skim that dross off the top. But they weren't done. Then they'd heat it again. More impurities would come up. But they weren't done. They would take them up. More would come up. All the way until that the silversmith could look over into that vat and look over and he could see his reflection. See, and that's what God's wanting to do. So what I'm saying is God's brought some stuff out already. But what God's trying to do right now is he's trying to bring some more stuff up. Why do you, why do you buck against these verses so much? Why? Is it pride? Is it unforgiveness? Is it bitterness? Now, I want to give you at least these principles of submission to be able to talk about this. There's some cases to where I guarantee you, you don't have too much time, hard of a time submitting. Think about this. Work. These are principles of submission. This goes to wives submitting to their husbands. Uh, and by the way, I want to say quickly about that. This has nothing to do with the quality of persons. In other words, uh, husbands and wives have different functions, but both are equal beings. Jesus is God in the flesh, but he submitted himself to the Father. Did he become less than the Father? No, he submitted himself to the Father for his function to carry out the Father's will. It wasn't all of a sudden, but the Bible says in Philippians that he thought it not right to be equal with God. He was equal with God in his person, but in his function... He was uh, serving a purpose. We go to work. All right? So here's the thing. One thing about it is, one thing about submission is I submit to my boss when I go to work. What if my boss isn't a better person than me? What if my boss isn't smarter than me? Then I get the right to go sit down in that office. And he's got to go out there and pick and drive that darn order picker around there. Uh, sorry if you don't know what that is. But anyway, no, it's not the case, is it? I, I may very well be a better person than him. I may be smarter than him. But guess what? He's got a position. He's my boss. So what do I do? I submit to my boss. I, do, I, I, I follow his lead. I do what he says. Guess what happens? Now, he may get on to me a little bit if I do something wrong. But ultimately, he's got to answer to somebody that I don't have to answer to. He's got the big boys that are breathing down his neck, not me. I leave, I go home, I don't worry about it. 
He leaves, he's still got some of those things on his mind because he's got an accountability. And that's one of the things about submission and about this order that God has given. The whole thing about the head is that the man's going to give an accountability. Somebody said it this way. Submission is the woman duck, God's way of having the woman duck by why he slaps the man across the face. Okay, oh, that didn't go over too well. It's, it's the way. Eve fell in the garden. God came out and said, Eve, what are you doing? Not true. It was when Adam fell, then he comes out to Adam. Adam bore the responsibility. You go through the Bible, it doesn't say because of one woman's sin. Sin entered into the world and one man's sin. Why? Because Adam was there. He was bearing that authority. He was bearing that responsibility. But here's something else about this. When I come to work, my boss says, Hey, Jesse, uh, would you go do this? And anybody have a boss like this? Uh, some, of, some of us parents may do this too. Hey, do you want to do this? No. Uh, thanks for asking, but... Uh, hey, Jesse, you want to do this? And I'm like, you know what? Sure, do whatever you say. Go do this, go do that. There's things I don't want to do. I always just say, yes, sir, I'm on it. You got the right man. I'm submissive to the boss. But now the moment that my boss calls me in the office and says, Hey, Jesse... I heard that, uh, you know, that your boys team has baseball on Wednesday night and he's not playing tonight and you got him at church. You're going to have to stop that. Then I listen to what my boss says, right? No, why? Because there's a limitation to where I'm submissive. See, the Bible says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. There is zero abuse going on here. The only authority that a man has over the wife is that which Christ gives him. So this submissiveness is to be submissive to, to that which God would have you to be submissive. In other words, if Christ is your head, you'll have no problem let your, letting your husband be your head. If Christ is truly your head. If He's truly in charge of your life. Now that doesn't, that doesn't mean to say that just in spiritual matters... But the point of the matter is, I'm getting away from my notes, and so who knows where I'll stray here. But I'm trying to give it to you quickly. Uh, it's not working too good. But, um, but, the, but the point is this. Here's, here's some women. I'm better. See, when I'm driving down the road, and there's an 18-wheeler about to pull out, but if I've got the right-of-way, I may be driving Hannah's Prius. But I've got the right-of-way. So that big 18-wheeler is going to have to sit there because I have been given the right-of-way by law. Some of you women are 18-wheelers. And your husband might be a Prius. But guess what? God says, yield the right-of-way. Yield the right-of-way. He has the right-of-way. Oh, well, he's not an 18-wheeler, so I'm just going to take over. No, sir. No, ma'am. Sorry, you might like it, sir. Peppermint patty, you know, but no. Uh, <laughs> Some of you act like you want to be called sir, but I'm just going to say you're ma'am. In other words, you want to be the boss. You want to be in charge. And I get that. God bless you. And there's areas where you can. But guess what God said? He don't want you to be, he don't want you to be the head of the home. He wants you to be the wife. He wants you to yield that right away to the husband. Wives, submit yourselves. Now, so you may be better. You may be smarter. He's an idiot. I, I'm not submitting to him. God did not say, wives, submit yourselves to husband if he's smart. <laughs> nope. Just said to submit. Uh, so, so submit to, to your husband if he's better than you. No, ma'am. That's not it. Uh, why? Because the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church. And he's the savior of the body. So there's parameters that. There's zero abuse going on here. 
There's zero neglect. God tells the, the man to love his wife as Christ also loved the church. Right? Um, so, so this does not mean that, you know, a man is trying to get you to do things uh, that are against God's will. You don't just say, oh, well, I better do what he said. That, no, that is, a, that is false. That's false. That's just like my boss trying to tell me to do something that he has no authority over. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do something that's against God's will. But I'm telling you, in other matters, that's within the, within the truth and the teaching of Scripture, that's not contrary to Scripture, we submit. And, and the thing is, is the Bible says that you're joint heirs in life. And so, again, you're equals as people, as Christians. But, it, but, but husband is not just a husband. A husband is a position. And just like there's other positions that need to be respected, that's a position that needs to be respected. And you need to be willing to trust God and yield the right of way. Do I give my two cents? Absolutely, because any husband worth his salt will ask for the two cents. But ultimately, the man is going to have to give, the, give, give an account. 